Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions. Let's head out to Denver and talk with Joe looking at Visa. Do you own it or looking to buy it? I own quite a bit of it. Just kind of what are your thoughts long? To me, it looked like one of the most consistent month over month winners. And provides unbiased answers. We don't take anybody's bearish or bullish or neutral rating as gospel. What we may look into, though, is why? What's their reasoning? Invest Talk. Over 31 million downloads and counting. Hey, this is Andrew from Noonan, Georgia. We're south of Atlanta. But love the podcast. I've been listening for a few months. I have a question. I'm looking at Hercules Capital. The symbol is H-T-G-C. Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-CHART. This podcast is produced by... KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Thursday, June 3rd, 2021 edition of Invest Talk. I appreciate you all tuning in and have been gone a while it's been a week since uh, i've been on air and i'm excited to be back excited to talk to you our listeners about what is happening in the market and help you make the next step in your own version of financial freedom and the way that i do that is by operating with our mission statement as usual which is independent thinking and shared success and that means what i'm talking about anything investment related it's all without bias. Talking about stock, an industry, a strategy, whatever it is, I'm here to give you the facts based on the information in front of me and over 20 years of investment experience. Now, I'm Justin Klein, and of course, we encourage you to contact us with your questions. I want to know what's on your mind. I need you to shape the show. And that means you can call right now and interact with us during our live stream program, 4 to 5 Pacific Time, or you can leave a question anytime on our invest talk voice bank which as always is the same number 888 chart so let's get right to our first listener question we're going to go to mark in ohio he's looking at marine max oh yes justin i um I'm, i've been on my just stock's been on my watch list um and i know it's it's been falling here of late um looks like it makes money and it's return on, you know, equity and everything looks okay. I was just trying to think, uh, get your guys' opinion on where do you think a good buying point would be? Um, and that was it, just trying to get your opinion. Okay. Well, here, here's the issue with uh, Marine Max. And I, Marine Max, what they do is they operate 77 retail stores in 21 states where they sell boats and, and other pleasure vehicles. Let's just say that. And they, pan, the pandemic was very kind to them. In 2019, they made $1.64, which is actually less than they made in 2018. But in 2020, they made $3.43, expected to make $5.56 share this year. And then down a bit to $5.45 next year. I think that's going to be a lot less than $5.45. Pandemic, this, to, to me, this was the classic pandemic trade. And a lot of these pandemic trades are unwinding and unwinding fast. And so I look at this more of 
what is the trend rate of growth over the longer term when it comes to profitability? And this is likely to trend back to $2 a share over time. And at $46, that's too expensive. And so this is not a name that I would be looking to buy anytime soon. In fact, technically, it just broke some major, major support levels. The 100-day, yesterday actually, was when it, uh, it crossed that and closed below. And then it confirmed today. And it's been above that really since this entire move since March. And so that is a major, major inflection point for me to say that, okay, this uptrend is now reversing. And this needs to come in a lot, lot more. And I like what you're talking about, that longer term, their profitability is strong, even though it's elevated near term. Um, but it's also not at a level longer term that makes you fall in love with it. I would say average, take out the last 12 months. It averages somewhere in the neighborhood of 10%. Eh, it's okay. But that doesn't get me real excited. So based on the financials, I think this is probably headed back to $20 a share. And that's where I would be interested in it. Maybe 20, 15, that area back where it was kind of pre-pandemic. And that would be interesting to me. But I think this is actually a pretty good short in the medium term. Thanks for the call, Mark. Now, my focus point today is based on the story the pandemic motivated a 24% increase in consumer purchases through the App Store. But will, be, will that be a permanent trend? And this is especially pertinent in light of the recent antitrust lawsuit that Apple is facing. And this is, I'm going to try to broaden the topic out as well to a lot of the tech names because they're, they all have their own level of monopoly within a subsector of their business. And this is going to be very important for kind of those large big tech companies and how regulation evolves over the coming uh, few years because I really think this is at the heart of potential regulation changes in Washington. Uh, so we're gonna touch on that. Now let's check out on the market today, we had a down day, definitely improved a bit throughout the day. The S&P was down 15 points. And once again, growth didn't do so well. If you look at the Morningstar style boxes, the entire right side of that chart is down about 1% on average on the growth side. And the value side, actually large cap and mid cap value was were up a bit today. So continuation of the trend of value outperforming the growth side. You had the Russell down 18 points, but the NASDAQ itself, that was down 141% over 1%. You had stocks like Tesla, that was down $32 on the back of a bad news coming out of China. In fact, their China volume uh, reportedly has been cut in half and, and they're having issues over there. And a lot of the tech names, the, the Apples of the world, uh, the Googles of the world, uh, Amazon, those were all the big fang names really down on the fact that, guess what? Pandemic is slowly coming to an end. And those tailwinds, just like we talked about with HCO, the, uh, the, the marine company, that 
this is a story that is now old, tired, and frankly, reversing. And now it's all about moving forward, investing with a forward-looking view through the windshield, not the rearview mirror. That mirror, that's what investing is about. That's where you find opportunities, not the old story. What will the narrative be in the next three, six, nine months? And if you can get ahead of that narrative, you can put the odds in your favor. And so to me, the next narrative has more to do with stimulus, where that money is being spent, green economy, ESG, et cetera. You see what's happening with Exxon and the potential for new production of oil and natural gas being crimped. Uh, I believe Biden just uh, banned uh, Alaskan drilling as well. That's going to shrink supply. So all these little stories eventually build up into a broader narrative and you need to be ahead of that. Now we're heading into a quick break and our questions and answers session will continue in one minute. So hang on, but give me a call now with your finance and investment questions at 888-99-CHART. Look at the calendar. Summer is days away. Now, maybe more than ever, you've got to optimize your portfolio investments. To do that, you'll need the right information and a planning strategy adjusted for your situation. And the Invest Talk phone lines are open now. 888-99-CHART. Let's go speak with Art. He is in Menlo Park. He wants to talk about pensions. Hi, Justin. Uh, yeah, I had a question on uh, pension. It's actually not for me, but uh, I have a coworker who's ready to retire in about two years. And he's had uh, heart uh, problems in the past, and he's about 67, or he will be 67 when he retires. And um, the two options are a regular uh, pension, which will pay him roughly 30000 a year, 2500 a month, or a lump sum payment of 125000 I'm just wondering, uh, would you just base it on basically how his, his – uh, longevity to live uh, the rest of his uh, life, um, you know, roughly like, you know, five years, it would be a little bit better than what uh, the lump sum payment would be. So I just kind of like wanted to find out what your uh, opinion would be on that. Yeah, now typically, it makes more sense to take the cash out. You always have to run the numbers because what the that pension payout uh, will be varies between each person's situation. Now, one hundred twenty-five thousand uh, dollars. If you are um, earning, say, five percent on that, that's that's not very very much, right? You're talking uh, five thousand dollars a year or so. Um, so, if he's getting thirty thousand a year, yeah, it's definitely better to take pension and that's atypical and especially somebody who has poor health it usually is better for the lump sum because that amount is higher i, I would double check that are you sure you have those numbers right 125 versus 30,000 a year uh they're pretty close i know the uh, 30,000 is right but uh, i'm just taking a a guess on the 120 or 125 because um that's what it was uh few years ago, maybe about four or five years ago. Yeah, I would definitely double check those numbers because that seems very, very far off. 
typically that pension is going to be roughly 5% or so of the total payout. And if you live longer than 15, 20 years, it usually is better to uh, take the, the payout. Um, not only can you uh, grow that money better, uh, you can earn a, a yield off of it, but you also pass that money on to the next of kin. And so typically it's better to take that, that cash payout. In the numbers that you're talking about, it would be better to take the pension. So I would definitely double check those numbers because you're right, after three, four years, you're, you're gonna make up for um, that entire cash out if that cash out number is correct. But I would, I would double check that. And if you want a, 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 us to run the numbers for him, if you can get a solid number on what that payout will be and what the pension will be, send that over. I can definitely give you a better opinion on that, but I would definitely double check that. Thanks for the call, Art. Let's go to Andre in Los Angeles. He's looking at MDC Holdings. This is a home builder. Do you own it or are you looking to buy it? No, I'm actually looking at it. I'm looking at uh, the home builders in general. A lot of mm -hmm. them uh, kind of seem to have growing earnings and they all seem to be valued kind of similar. So I'm just wondering your take on the stock and just the, the space in general. Is it a good time to get in or, or is it kind of time to stay away? They all kind of seem to be trading at kind of low values based on forward earnings the next couple of years. So, Okay. So one thing I will say is MDC, one of my favorite home builders. One of my favorite, if you look at the long-term profitability, uh, great performer, solid cash flows, solid return on equity. It's one of the better ones in the industry. I'd say top five, definitely the public ones. So I like what you're looking at there. And what you have to understand though about the home builder industry is this recent last 18 months, a lot of supply on the existing homes have been taken off market because of the eviction and eviction uh, moratoriums and the foreclosure moratoriums. And so what that means is that there's pulled forward a lot of the demand for the new homes. And that's why these new home builders profits are just skyrocketing. This company made $3.44 in 2019, $5.17 last year, and expected to make $8.26 this year. But those are artificial. The demand for new homes right now is artificial because of the very, very lack of supply coming from the existing home inventory. Okay? And so, and so that's why I would avoid the space. Uh, this is it's going to return back to trend. This is, once again, a story looking in the rearview mirror. You need to look forward. You need to look at what the market is going to price in going forward and this is not a space i would be jumping into now now we're heading to another break but joe and denver hang on you'll be next on invest talk the stock market is volatile it's constantly changing so how are you positioned is your portfolio properly balanced or are you taking unnecessary risks you can get guidance anytime for free if you go to investtalk.com and take the brief Riskalyze quiz. Let's head out to Denver and talk with Joe looking at Visa. Do you own it or looking to buy it? I own quite a bit of it. 
Um, okay. And newer investor, my cost or was it cost per share price is is two fifteen. Um, just kind of what are your thoughts long? To me, it looked like one of the most consistent month over month winners. And I was jumping for joy. And then, uh, so that's my first question. My follow-up to that is it got a bearish rating, a very bearish rating a few days ago from a research firm called Refinitive. And just kind of what are your, do you take that? I mean, when you guys see bearish ratings, whether it be from Morningstar or Refinitive or whoever, do you take those very seriously? Or, or is it just kind of, oh, that's their opinion and move on? Just kind of one of your thoughts on those things and take thanks for taking the call. I, I love listening to you and and Steve. Well, I appreciate that. And we don't take anybody's bearish or bullish or neutral rating as gospel. Uh, what we may look into though is why. What's their reasoning? Uh, and maybe it's uncovering data and has an opinion that that is is not talked about widely enough. Um, do you know why that bearish? Did they they have that? Was it strictly quantitative or was there something about their business that was uh, maybe in decline or having problems? Uh, I, I believe it's they, I kind of read a little bit about it and no way am I an expert, but it, it looks like to me, it uses some quantitative computer metrics and mm-hmm. they, it mentioned it being overextended. Okay. So sounds like more technicals uh, and I would agree with that. It has made just recently a lower high and the the MACD is breaking down. There are some technical issues that I'm starting to see over the past month or so, and that would worry me. And then I would look at the fundamentals and I do think that this is uh, a bit overvalued. Our value is definitely sub 200 and probably closer to 150. And the reason I say that is because if you look at the current operating earnings yield is only 2.6%. And what most people on Wall Street would say is, yes, but look at their balance sheet. It's very clean. That's true. And also the consistency of their business. And it, it's a safe business. It's Visa. They're, they're, people are, have credit cards and they're using them and that's not going to stop. In fact, that's only going to increase. And I would actually argue that, yes, that's true in the near term. But if you look at efforts in the crypto space and even the central bank the central bank has come out the fed has said we're looking at our own central bank currency and so i think there's a very high likelihood in the next decade that the visas of the world the mastercards of the world are going to be maybe obsolete or at least have a strong competitor in either something created built on maybe it's the lightning network with with uh, Bitcoin, maybe it's just simply the crypto or electronic currency that the Fed comes out with that allows people to move money a lot easier. Think of Venmo and and, uh, Zelle and all the things that we're using to go around these credit card networks now. And I think that's accelerating as well. I think we're kind of peak credit cards and there's starting to become so many more ways that you can transact outside of the Visa and, and MasterCard networks. And so to me, I would pass on this. I think the valuation, the, the longer term risk, it's not cheap enough. It's trading at 35 times enterprise value to EBITDA. I would be selling it both from a technical and fundamental and thesis driven analysis. 
I would move on. Thanks for the call, Joe. Let's go to Dave in Phoenix. He wants to talk about a trust. Yeah, I'm calling about uh, the Grayscale Ethereum Trust. Oh, okay. Um, GBTC? In the past, you, you said, what's that? GBTC. Uh, E-T-H-E. Oh, e- oh, the Ethereum. Got it. E-T-H-E. Got it. Sorry, I was saying I'm, I'm in Ethereum, yeah. Um, so in the past, you said that you liked Bit- or Ethereum over Bitcoin, and I'm kind of wondering um, why, or if you could talk more about that. And then you said um, you've been right about the volatility uh, and it um, going to the 4th of July. So I'm wondering if if I should be looking to buy this month and uh, what you think of buy, uh, getting exposure to Bitcoin through this trust and then what, what a, a price point. I should target it. Well, I, I think Bitcoin is definitely going to, I wouldn't say definitely, because you, you never know with these these markets, but in the 20s, low 20s, that's an area that I think from at least a medium to perspective would be a lot of support. The issue with the crypto space right now is that the government control, government power that is going to be Uh, going to be used in this space is only going to increase, I think, for the next 12, 24, maybe 36 months. And how that shakes out, what type of regulation they put on, how much when it comes to taxes and uh, disclosure of, of, of identities, all of those factors are going to be very interesting and could have dramatic impacts on uh, the space. I know there's the whole cash uh, stock flow model and that says it's going to the hundreds of thousands of dollars, millions of dollars over uh, the next decade plus, um, but that ignores all outside factors. Um, and those outside factors are growing. And so can you use one of these, you know, GBTC or ETHE? Uh, they're, they're not bad vehicles. You could also transact through PayPal and a lot of other ways to buy into the the crypto space as well. And I I see nothing wrong with that uh, either. So uh, it's really up to you. Thanks for the call. I'm taking your calls live at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial, where they describe their services as independent thinking, shared success. And this philosophy is why KPP Financial can be of great value to investors. KPP principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are committed to unbiased guidance. They don't upsell clients into expensive and questionable investments. Instead, Steve and Justin provide honest opinions and proven strategies based on the individual's current portfolio and risk tolerance. Working with KPP Financial, you can be assured of consistent dedication toward the goal of helping you achieve financial freedom. You can get things started with a phone call or a simple message through investtalk.com. Take the next step toward your financial freedom. Contact KPP Financial. We're already moving through the second quarter and serious investors need to bring their best game. InvestTalk is here to help. 888-99-CHART. Now, I'll start my focus point now, and I'm going to broaden it out as much as I can. But let's begin with the story that the pandemic motivated a 24% increase in consumer purchases through the Apple App Store. 
that was year over year from 19 to 20. And the App Store facilitated $643 billion in billings during that year. Now, this is on the back of the lawsuit about Apple's anti-competitive practices brought by Epic Games, which is the maker of Fortnite. And in response, Apple's done a few things. One, they've cut their commission for smaller companies to just 15%. And they're arguing that they built the App Store and gave it a set of rules, which are designed to ensure that the apps are high quality and secure. They don't have any, any bugs or uh, viruses in them. Now, the report said that about 90% of total billings and sales are outside, that are facilitated by the, the ecosystem, the app ecosystem, actually happen outside the app store. Meaning Apple didn't make any money on it. Talking about sale of physical goods and services, uh, travel apps, uh, food delivery, for example, all of these things are done on apps from the Apple App Store. And this is their argument that they're facilitating so much commerce with the apps, even though maybe they're not building them, but they're hosting them, they're distributing them through their platform, through their operating system, that, yeah, they might make 15 to 30% of in-app purchases, transactions, etc. But in comparison to their entire the entire sales that are facilitated through their, their apps, it's a very small percentage. And that's really the crux of their argument. And frankly, I think it's a pretty good argument. But it goes back to the antitrust fervor in Washington when it comes to Amazon, Google, Apple, Facebook. And they are clearly capturing, all of them capturing a very large percentage of consumer and business dollars. And their profitability is massive because they have a subset of monopolies. Google and Search, Amazon with their, uh, their marketplace, Facebook with just Facebook and that ecosystem. And so this is I think the biggest threat to the industry in, in decades, really since the Microsoft antitrust allegations in the 90s. And that forced Microsoft to shift, to change their business model a bit. And more focused on, in today's world, cloud services, for example, broadening out their revenue streams, their profit streams, and this was driven actually not by Steve Ballmer. Steve Ballmer actually was not that great as the CEO of Microsoft. But the current CEO is the one that really transformed their business dramatically. And it goes back to leadership. And while you're, you're likely to get continued regulation and scrutiny and potentially breakup of companies like Google or an Amazon, how they pivot, though, how they innovate to change their business model to launch new products and services, that's going to be vital. So actually, 
I think a lot of these companies are going to be better off in a breakup in order to buy certain parts of the business run by the best leaders. And I think that is really the story here is how do you get invested in companies with the right leadership that can drive not marketing, you know, not the Elon Musk's of the world, but the true operators that know how to put their nose to the grindstone, build products and services that people and businesses want, and how to actually make profits from them, extract actual cash flow from them, which I know is kind of uh, an anomaly in today's world with so many uh, companies losing money in the digital space, but it's vital as we move forward. Now let's go to James in New York. He wants to talk about Amazon as well. Uh, yes, um, I've had it for uh, quite some time, done really well. I'm at about 3% of my portfolio currently, and I was thinking about adding to it. Um, not too much. I mean, I just wanted to get in at a favorable level, but I do plan on keeping it for the long, long term. So does it really matter where I get in, that being the case? Well, absolutely, it matters where you get it. That will definitely help with the, the longer term returns that you'll get from from an Amazon. Once again, I don't think this is an environment where Amazon's going to do great, especially look at the chart. It's been really going nowhere since the summer of last year. That's really when growth kind of petered out and this stock has, has gone nowhere. And recently it's been really hammering on the 50-week moving average and it looks ready to break that. And probably head to really the next level of major support is around 2700. Now we're at 3187. That would be a decent entry point uh, for me. A better number would be probably closer to 24, and a fantastic number would be around 2200. Um, so those are the levels that uh, you will find support. And, and technically, I'm seeing that this is likely to happen, it's likely to hit at least that top level, 20, uh, 2,700 or so. And so that's where I would start a position and maybe add as it potentially gets even lower. Um, but I would not be in a hurry to be adding money to Amazon right now. Thanks for the call. Now, we've had a lot of live calls today, but let's try to fit in some recorded voice bank questions. We love all types, but... Here is the next question that came in earlier from listeners, a listener, excuse me, in Georgia on 888-99-CHART. Hey, this is Andrew from, from Noonan, Georgia. We're south of Atlanta. But love the podcast. I've been listening for a few months. I have a question. I'm looking at Hercules Capital. The symbol is HTGC, trading at $16.70. That's a nice dividend. And it looks like it's making money, but I'm thinking about maybe waiting for it to come back around maybe $15.50, somewhere in that range, in order to maybe take a position. But I was curious your take on this stock in regards to their revenues, debt, anything. If you could shed some light, greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right, this is Hercules Capital, and this is a specially financed company. What they do is they provide senior secured loans to high-growth venture-backed, venture capital-backed companies in the technology, life science, and sustainable and renewable energy industries. So very fast-growing, but also very high-risk area of the, of the marketplace. And 
it's getting that, it's paying out a nice healthy dividend. And let me pull up some longer term figures on that. The issue here though, is that they're issuing more and more shares, 43 million shares outstanding in 2011, now 114 million now that they've been growing their business, but uh, only from 71 million to 384 million. So not a, 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 not, not a great trend there. From a cash flow perspective, they are now cash flow positive. So that's really nice. But their payout ratio is very high, 117% last year. And to me, that makes this uh, not sustainable um, in the, the longer run because they're issuing more and more shares. They're upping that dividend, but to a level that's higher than their expected earnings. And so this is very high risk. And if you look at the chart, let me pull up the chart here. Yeah, it's, it looks like it's starting to uh, break lower. It's, it had a big breakdown in the end of month of May and it hasn't really been able to capture that. It looks like it's consolidating to break lower. Uh, and it's also focused on those companies that are not likely to do as well. Just go look at the technology space, uh, the biotech space, because uh, they're, they're focused on life science as well. All of those from an equity standpoint are now trending lower. And so I wouldn't be excited about this name. Now, if it was focused more on financing industrial companies and commodity companies and other maybe f finance companies, that would be more interesting to me. But they've been investing at a time where valuations are very high and have more room to go down, I think, than up in the medium term. So I would be passing on Hercules Capital. I think there's a lot better ways to earn a 7.5% yield. Thanks for the call. 2021 feels like it's moving fast, and we've already passed Memorial Day. And the next stop, well, summer and 4th of July. Yeah, we're a little over a month away. Tomorrow will be June 4th. So I'm excited for that. I know June, July 4th is one of my favorite holidays, but I want to make you aware of the help that we give uh, at our company, KPP Financial, where we operate with the same philosophy that we do here on Invest Talk, which is independent thinking and shared success. We provide unbiased guidance and parallel investing, meaning we invest right alongside our clients. So I encourage you to reach out to myself or Steve through our website. We can set up a telephone call or a go-to meeting call, and you can send us a message once again through investtalk.com or give us our office a call at 800-557-5461. We want to help in any way we can. Maybe that's just a quick conversation. Maybe that's a broader analysis of your entire portfolio. That is really up to you. Now, this is Invest Talk, and I appreciate all of you who decided to listen, and I hope you'll, you've told your friends about this free podcast. Next up, we'll play a caller question from a listener in Texas. Hang on. There is good news for loyal InvestTalk listeners, their friends, and families. Steve and Justin have recorded a special bonus podcast. Been listening for a while and have got some great advice. This free podcast is available for download anytime. Typically, each day and night, the InvestTalk call center receives more voicemail questions than Steve and Justin can fit into a live show format. Hi, guys. Big fan of the show. So in the bonus program, caller questions will be played back from our voice bank and answered with brief, unbiased, and helpful responses. I think for like the next 10 years, commodities are going to be doing very well. It's in the money. 
you probably just want to sell it. It's a fast-paced learning podcast for the average investor. Absolutely love your show. It's free, so be sure to tell your friends. It can be downloaded now at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and investtalk.com. Look for Rapid Fire Hour. Hi, Steve and Justin. This is Daniel from Houston calling. Really love this show. I'm calling today about the stock ticker OMI. That's Owen Miner. They're in the healthcare space. What are your thoughts on the long-term prospects of this company? Earlier this week, it, it went up 30% almost in one day. I have a position in this stock, wondering if I should just continue holding on to it. Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on the show. Thanks in advance. Bye-bye. Are looking at Owens and Miner, and for everyone else, if you don't know what they do, they distribute consumable medical supplies, and clearly the pandemic has done them well. They were making $0.62 cents in 2019. That was down from $2.16 in 2016. So their business, or at least their profitability, was trending lower before the pandemic, and now they made $2.26 in 2020. Expect to make almost $4 this year, but back down to $3.27 next year. This is a, another one of those, hey, that story is kind of behind it. And the bigger question is, when will this trend end? And for some pandemic-supported businesses, that trend will end sooner rather than later. For Owens and Miner, I think it might last a little longer. At least that's what the chart's telling me, because... It hit new highs earlier last week, and it's just consolidating those, you know, from a technical perspective. There's nothing wrong with it, technically. And if you look at the fundamentals, even if they trend back to $2 a share, um, I still think that uh, it's, a, it's a decent value. But I would be watching. I would have a tight out on this, and it would really be probably that 100-day moving average, although it did break it a bit uh, earlier last month. It recovered that quickly. So on a weekly basis, if it can close there tw twice under the 100-day moving average, which for the weekly would probably be the 50-week moving average, uh, that would be my out. Um, but technically, once again, this there's nothing wrong with this. It's still uh, in an uptrend. It's consolidating the recent move. Uh, although I do worry that the tailwinds of the pandemic are mostly behind it. So I would be cautious and I would probably trim uh, at these levels. So I would trim a bit and have a trailing stop. Let's go to Robert in Pleasanton, looking at C-U-R-O, which is Curo Group. Do you own it or looking to buy it? No, I don't own it, Justin. I, I've been kind of watching this for a while. Um, not really a fan of the type of business that they do, but okay. um, it looks to be pretty attractive. So I just was curious to get your your take on it all right so this is curo group and it offers a broad range of consumer finance products including unsecured installment loans secured installment loans open-ended loans and single payer loans they do check cashing prepaid debit cards they're in the canadian market it looks like gold buying so they, they do a lot of different things uh, they, they serve the underbanked in the u.s canada and the uk Interesting. So they're probably doing better because the the transfer payments from the government 
into the hands of those that have less money, the underbanked, typically. And that's certainly helping them. Earnings in 2021 were $1.77, expected to be $2.39 next year. Now, technically, it's strong. It went up big in December. Do you know what that news was? Oh, I'm going to have to go to a break, Robert. I'm going to get to you right after the break. Going into our final breaks, so give us a call at 888-99-CHART. You are listening to Invest Talk. We've seen the markets go up, then down, sideways, and around. It's called volatility. And if you're a serious investor, you'll have finance and investment questions for Justin Klein. He's here now taking your calls live. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. And now we're going to finish up with Robert, who was looking at Curo. And I did look back in the news on that company back in December. And what happened, it looked like, was one of the companies, which they own 40%, a 40% stake in, that they only invested, what is it saying? I think it was $27.5 million, went uh, uh, public via SPAC. And... That's really what's driving their their business uh, or the, the stock move, excuse me, uh, because they're getting 125 million in cash and the 21% stake in that new SPAC, which is called Catapult, which is a, basically a leasing company. And Catapult itself has a market value of about 347 million, so 21% of that would be 70 million in, in that sense. And Curo itself has a market cap of, let's go look at that here, about $748 million. So that's really what's driving this is that kind of story around its ownership in, in Catapult. Longer term, Curo, just, its profitability is kind of, eh, not that exciting. Um, so I don't love this name. Uh, I, I don't really, uh, I like the chart, I'll say that. Um, so from a technical perspective, it looks fine. Um, but I just don't love the full story here. Thanks for the call. Now let's keep things moving. This podcast is almost over, but we can squeeze in one more question before our day is done. This came in earlier from Minnesota on 888-99-CHART. Hey, my name is Zach. I'm from Minnesota. My question is regarding quick ratios in the utility sector. Been looking, trying to find a a decent investment for my portfolio. I've always been under the assumption that a uh, higher quick ratio is a good thing for a company to pay off their current liabilities and uh, having liquidity. In reference, I'm looking at Excel, ticker XEL. Um, they pay a decent dividend. A uh, utility company that I've been using uh, myself. I've uh, been looking into buying a position. The only thing that's kind of holding me back is their quick ratio is a little bit low. I've heard from others that a lower quick ratio in the utility sector isn't necessarily a bad thing. My question is, what would be a good quick ratio then for the utility sector, since it looks like most of them have lower quick ratios and most of them pay decent dividends? Is this something that we don't necessarily need to worry about when looking at utilities companies? I look forward to hearing your answer. Thank you so much for all that you do. Bye now. All right, so quick ratio is an accounting term, and basically it is cash 
plus marketable securities, so anything you can go sell in the marketplace, plus accounts receivable. So money that's supposed to come in for to your company, that's owed to your company, divided by current liabilities. So current liabilities are things that are due within a year. And so you want that to be over one because you, you want to be able to pay off those current liabilities over the next year with the cash, the marketable securities, the accounts receivable that you have coming in. Now, that's the basics, but that doesn't necessarily, it's not necessary for all companies. Why is that? Well, because maybe they can easily go to the market and issue debt, for example, uh, a utility company with large assets, which with consistent cash flow, they're going to be able to go raise capital and pay off those current liabilities in the short term. So they don't really have a problem with that. On top of that, they have consistent revenue coming in from their, their customers. The utility business is one of the most consistent businesses there are. People want to keep the lights on. And that's what Excel does, is they provide electricity and natural gas to customers. And so that's really the, the long and short of it is that while that ratio is important, it's not the end-all, be-all when it comes to analysis of a company's balance sheet. Thanks for the call. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Pease and I thank you for listening. We encourage you to tell your friends and family members about our free podcast downloads. You can get them free over at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And be sure to rate and review. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein chief executive officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listening line at 888-99-CHART.